Welcome back. This is the Emergency Nine Golf Podcast. We have Jay here. We got McLean, we think, maybe in and out from parts unknown in Orlando. Uh, I am Mike. We're happy to have you guys. Uh, McLean's really not in parts unknown. It's the castle. If anyone's up the castle, go knock on his door in the middle of the night and bug him. Room 410. Room 410. Put all the charters on him. Uh, well, welcome back. Uh, room 406. Room 406. So you don't even know what room you're in. I know I'm in <laughs> you know, would be great somebody open up the bar tab. So all of a sudden, like, yeah, oh, kind of backfired there. A, somebody's going to put a bunch of Corona lights on 410, and it's not going to be you. Yeah, you won't know that any, any other guys. <laughs> yeah, the challenge. I thought I only had eight, but I and guess it, I had 15. <laughs> So welcome back, folks. Uh, we're back for another episode. Sorry, we are doing this on a Tuesday night, one day delayed this week because of uh, actually both my schedule and McLean's schedule yesterday. So, but we got a big week. We got PGA Championship week. It's a major week, boys. Uh, I'm dialed in, ready to go for it. Um, but before we we do that, I guess we need to break down a little bit of the Byron Nelson. I'll be honest. Uh, I had member guests last weekend, so I caught very little of it until Sunday afternoon. And that was about it. So KH Lee does get it done back to back Byron Nelson winner at TPC Craig ranch. I guess he's a horse for a course. And I will say this off the bat. I think that's a remarkable feat to win at that place. They have to shoot 25 under back to back years or whatever the hell it was. It's incredible. It, it was incredible to, to have to do that and to be able to pull it off. I mean, it's there's some guys that will play their entire career and never shoot 20 in the mid 20s for a 72 hole tournament. And he did it back to back, uh, back to back events. That's back to back, I say events, meaning not like you know what I mean. Yes, back to back years. Yeah, back to back yeah. years. We got you. Yeah, I mean, I think that's actually harder to do than go do it at a venue that's a, a tough venue like a, a Riviera or something like that. Yeah, where nine under wins. Versus, yeah. I mean, to shoot 25, 26, I don't know what the winning total was last year. I think it was 25 under. He shoots 26 under this year. It's actually pretty damn good. I don't care who you are to do that back to back. 51 under par in two years. Not bad. I guess he doesn't want that that tournament going elsewhere. Yeah. Although from what I saw of it, it looked like it's, the venue sucked. It's. I mean, the, the conditions are nice, obviously. Yes. It's in, yeah, it's, it's a good shape. shape. Yeah. Um, but you know, when I was looking at the yardage, I was actually following on Shotlink on the on the PJ Tour app, and there was a couple holes where they they almost it's like they wanted the guys to shoot a low number, like eighteen. They played it short. Um, uh, what was the other? Yeah, here they uh, they moved up eighteen, like forty yards or something. Nine, the par there was the nine was four eighty. Guys were hitting three wood, seven irons in. Like, why? Yeah. You know, what was it? It's okay to shoot if you play it all the way back and make, I mean, I guess that's maybe that's what they wanted. Maybe this is that event. Everyone knows that guys make a bunch of birdies and they think people want to watch that, you know, once every, you know, 15 or 20 events, they shoot 20 plus under maybe, maybe they, they looked, uh, looked at it in the, the, and said, look, we can't keep these guys in the low teens on this golf course. So let's just go ahead and, make it easy and yeah. see see what they can do see if we can get somebody to shoot 59 or something like that so that there was a lot of guys that were that were close i mean a lot of 29s a lot of 28s yeah there um, are you know um 
Hideki shoots 62 on Sunday. Xander shoots 61. James Hahn shot a 61 over the weekend. I think that was Saturday. There was a, a bunch of low numbers, obviously, uh, in like, you know, very low 60s being shot out there. And so I just don't like the venues where you feel like if you're rooting for someone, they just run out of holes because it's just about making birdies. Because yeah. there's no risk of the leaders making a bogey. So yeah. it's just like, oh, well, he's only got four holes left, so he's not going to have enough chances to make enough birdies here. You know, because this yeah. guy's not coming back at all. He's only going to add more yeah. birdies. And that's just kind of what it felt like. It was almost like a DraftKings contest. Like, oh, he's got more holes left, so yeah. he's going to gather more points, you know? Yeah, definitely not as entertaining, you know, that when they go on the the birdie barrage like that, like you said, when the course is, the course is set up so easy. It's like there's no way that he's going to make bogeys or doubles. Although Ryan Palmer found a way to make a couple of doubles coming in on Saturday. Careful, um, don't don't talk bad about McLean's boy. Come on, man! My guy was getting offended immediately. <laughs> <laughs> and for the for the listeners out there, McLean is doing this on his iPhone, uh, so his sound will be terrible. It'll sound like he's in a wind. Yeah, I, I apologize to everyone. No, you're good. Well, we've got a caller in. That's okay. We we haven't had a caller in in a while, so yeah. To... <laughs> so uh, I forgot my microphone. I apologize, boys. You're all right. Um, yeah. So I mean, it, it was good. It was a good field with a lot of big names that were up there. Obviously, my boy Jordan Spieth comes in second. Uh, I thought his three wood on eighteen, if it lands like two feet further, it's just going to cozy up there, and he's going to make an eagle and get to a playoff. Uh, yes, McLean, you are that fat. If that's what you're looking at. Holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe just a yes. t-shirt's really small. Yeah. Um, I think it's the I'm, angle, bro. Totally the angle. Good. Change that view. Holy Cam- camera adds shit. 10 pounds. Yeah. Especially when it's low. Yeah. Bad angle, I huh? was, I was on it. I was on top of it. And then I've been out of town for the past few weeks. Do you guys know how hard it is to eat healthy when you're on the road? You can't. Yes, I do. It is so fucking difficult. Tori actually, so she has this line of the Weight Watchers points that she always kept to fuck with me about the meals that I eat. I'm just going to get your, I'm just going to eat your total. So they give you like 21 to 23 points a day. The other night I had a 122 point meal. (laughs) <laughs> on accident on accident on accident i wasn't even trying to be i wasn't even trying to be a fucking slob i was just like oh yeah let me get the you know do some ribs oh yeah brisket quesadilla add in the chicken crispers some loaded some loaded mashed potatoes and, oh chicken tortilla soup yeah yeah let's do that uh, <laughs> that's, so that's a how it went down awesome. look cuz <laughs> we had been at the pool bar all day made mistakes as <laughs> far as you can fucking make them and i was ready to go and they handed me the, they handed like, me the phone don't judge they me, me the phone don't judge 100%. me 100 percent. they handed me the phone i'm like oh yeah let me get that smokehouse triple yeah 100 <laughs> percent. What, what's that oh i can get a side a loaded baked potato and or loaded mashed potatoes and chicken tortilla soup load that up and then on the way home the next day tori is giving me so much shit. she's like so let's let's just just quantify this just a little bit. You know, daily daily is uh, 21 points. This one meal was 122. And the most fucked up part about it, I ate the whole thing. 
<laughs> Fucking clean plate club. Ate the whole thing. <laughs> oh, speaking speaking of that, what's what is everyone drinking tonight? You're on the Corona Light again. <laughs> I am. I love this hotel. They take care of me very well. Jay is falling off the wagon. Jay, what do you got? I did uh, just God. a little bit, just tonight, just for the podcast. Good enough. I'm, for me, I God. opened a new bottle. I'm 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 trying out the um, Old Elk Infinity Blend. Wow. Had it for a year, haven't opened it, and it's it good. Really, it's really damn good. Nice. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah. I uh, I'm e- I'm on Eagle Rare. Oh, very oh, look nice. Look at you, fancy pants. I. Uh, I just haven't had it in a while, so I reached into the back and grabbed it out of the uh, little bourbon barrel display thing I have. So it's delicious. I mean, not to get too deep on the bourbon, but how how good is that bottle? That's good, Eagle Rare. I mean, if if I could just keep that in for forty bucks, and I guess it's different in different states, but yeah. in in Virginia, it, if we can get it, it's forty bucks roughly. I would drink that every day. Yeah, it's good. It's it's an easy drink. Yeah, I, I feel like I can drink Buffalo Trace every day. Yeah, that I too. never feel like I need anything better. I mean, that's I, comes I from the same place. Guys. Yeah, but look, I'm I'm a utility drinker. I have my one skew of each thing. I have like a bottle and most likely a backup bottle. But I can drink Buffalo Trace, and I don't feel like I'm missing anything. And the dollar is yeah. incredible. But I just, I don't feel like it's like Ah, wish this was this or that or the other. It's just solid. <laughs> it's very good. Actually, I it's was going to get my Buffalo way. Trace, and the Eagle Rare caught my eye. And I was like, you know what? I haven't had that in a while. Let's do this. Fucking rich people, man. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, super rich. <laughs> super rich. I would like to get a bottle. If anyone listening has got their hands on the Double Eagle Rare, mm. I would love to. I would love to buy a bottle from somebody. I just haven't, it hasn't crossed, I haven't crossed paths with that bottle yet. And mainly because it's probably super expensive, but if anyone's got a connect there and wants to do some trades, let me know. So anyways, we were talking about the, the Byron Nelson. Um, I think what we were saying, Phil McLean saw himself in the camera. Uh, there were some big names in the field. It was a strong field this, this year. I think it was one of the top 10 fields, Strength of schedule or strength of fields, excuse me, on the PJ tour so far. So occasionally does beat some good guys. Jordan comes in second. Hideki in third or tied third. Xander was up there. JT Ryan Palmer was up there. I mean, just huge Imagine names. Imagine that. Imagine <laughs> that. Uh, so there were some big names playing well leading into to a major as well, which was good to see. And uh, you know, anytime. You get to see Jordan in contention is fun, right, Jack? So fun. I mean, I was just I was ecstatic. <laughs> I will say this though, um, he, I, you talk about underachievers for the douchebag underachiever club or whatever the hell you call the live. It's the under underachieving douchebag tour, UADB gotcha. tour. <laughs> God. I think he is one of the most overachieving golfers. Out he there. could in be absolutely of, in terms of talent, and I and, and I, if talent is, you can look at it different ways. Obviously, it's the, about scorecard, though, Jay. You know that. That 
I know that. That's that's I, I have I have the utmost respect for him. I think he maximizes everything that he's got. And I they showed a clip of him when he was 16 playing in the the Byron Nelson, mm-hmm. um, which is pretty incredible. Like he, some people just have a sense of the moment, and if you look at his skill set, you're like, ah, he's you know middle of the road kind of guy. But he's got something different mentally uh, and a belief in himself, which again I think is probably if if not one of the most important qualities you know for a golfer you have to have this just ridiculous amount of confidence and he he does sound like he whines and complains and he sounds like he's unsure all the time but i think that's like negative energy that he pushes out to get it out of his his system but deep down he really believes in himself and that's why he continues to be successful even with the whatever shortcomings he has from you know a talent standpoint and and i i'm again I'm, this is comparatively speaking, <laughs> talent. He's a talented guy to play with golf. I mean, yeah, you're just honest. talking Probably. relative to the other top players. I'm in the just world. talking relative to the other guys on the PGA Tour. He is not the most talented guy on tour, but um, talented from a from a skill set, like a physical skill set, but a mentally mental skill set. He is one of the most talented guys. He has the he has the difference difference maker, and that's why he's won, you know, four majors. Is yeah, it th- no, three majors. Three, is it three majors? Or f- um, it's three, three. Right? US Open, PGA, and yeah, and this, the Masters. This will, if he wins the PGA, this will be the career grand slam. Yeah. Um, which is awesome. So anyway, I mean, I, 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 I do complain about him. I make fun of him just because it's funny. Um, but I don't, I don't really dislike the guy. I think he. It, it's fun to watch somebody who is. Uh, let me make sure I'm PC with, with what I, <laughs> how I, I won't say he's, uh, what did, what did, what did our old friend Tom Strange used to say? He was still sucking on the teat. Oh yeah. Uh, something about <laughs> breastfeeding. God, what did he say? <laughs> I mean, I won't go that far. Um, but he, you know, like I said, he's, he's, uh, he's a, he's a great player. He, he's proven that, but yeah, he, from the skill set standpoint, he's not. Uh, compared to the other guys, but he is, he is an overachiever. I mean, three majors from a guy like this was pretty incredible. Yeah. But so anyway, I, I actually, I would like to see him win the, the, the PGA championship this year. It would be awesome. And we've only had six was only six other guys have won. Have won the career grand slam. The career grand slam. Um, Tiger's done it three times, but yeah. Tiger has done it three times. Uh, and Jack, time. I, Jack did it a, a few times as well. Obviously. Was it three or four times for Jack? It might be four. I don't think he no. won every major four times. I think there was one. I think the British Open, he only won three times. Um, what happened to, um, first of all, what happened to McLean? Oh, I'm, I'm, I just found out I was muted. I, I'm, I'm over here fucking arguing. <laughs> He's yelling. Well, so I'm, you have two screens up right now. So bad. No, and there no, was an I'm echo. Not- so I muted one of you. I, I I fixed that. I fixed that. Okay. So I apologize. So what were you arguing honest. about to yourself? So, Jay, Jay, I got to just be straight up with you. Yeah. All right. Jay, would you agree that the reason we don't view Jordan Spieth's talent level as high because of the way it, it, it looks, or do you think it's because of what? 
because to me, the guy physically, it doesn't look as smooth as a lot of his bodies and a lot of the players out there. But at the same time, it fucking produces and it puts up some good, good paying rounds. I mean, price per round, he's pretty high up there. Yeah. No, no, that that's kind of I don't know if it cut off when when you were switching from phone to computer, but it what did. I was what what I was what I commented on was I think physically he's not as talented uh, like a physical sk- uh, skill set like he doesn't hit it as far he doesn't hit it as straight, but and he and he's arguably he's a very streaky putter, but I think the skill set that he has that puts him over the top is the this level of belief and confidence that he has in himself like that skill that he has is is I would almost vent, I would argue to say that it's second to maybe only Tiger Woods in his prime. Like he, he really thinks that he's that good, even when he's not. Yeah. His um, heart, his heart and his compete level are up there with anyone. Yeah. I mean, and that's what, that's what a great golfer is. I mean, I'll, I'll be honest. I mean, I, do I like watching him complain? I don't really, it's not that fun most of the time, but I still like the guy. Like I don't dislike him. Like I would much rather pull for him than, you know, countless other guys on tour and I won't name names right now, but like, I don't like if he wins, it doesn't like hurt my feelings. Cause it's fine. But if we're going to talk about, you know, and other arguments we've had or conversations, we talk about the best player in the world, the most talented player in the world, blah, 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 blah. You know, I wouldn't put him up there with those guys, but like I said, from a skill set standpoint, mental skill set, he is in a mental belief. He is up there, which is very important in golf. Um, um, so, and he obviously does that. He, I think he maximizes everything that he has. Um, and, and he's hitting the ball, you know, the stats are not lying. I mean, I know we pulled this up last week. He's actually putting worse than he's putted in, in his best years and hitting the ball much better than he has. So if he finds a way to, what if he, if he finds a way to putt somewhere close to the way he did in the, in, you know, the, the seven, six, seven, eight years ago, and hits and continues to hit the ball the way that he's hitting it now. I mean, geez, he would he he would be able to compete with with the best players in oh, the world yeah. and the most talented uh, physical players in the world, like a like a Rory or a Dustin or a Rom or a Justin Thomas or these guys who you know physically are able to or that really maximize everything they have. Yeah. So we're gonna we're gonna talk a little more Jordan Spieth here a little later in the pod, but. Um, no, I thought, that, I thought we were getting that out of the way and like we were going to be able to put that to the side. So we're going to have to do that again. Yeah. All over again. <laughs> Say it all over again. Verbatim. Okay. Uh, what, what happened? What the hell happened to Scotty Scheffler this weekend? I mean, T15 guys in a slump. Yeah. He's slumping dude. Totally. Do not pick him this week. He is not playing well. Awful. Chef. <laughs> <laughs> It's a joke, McLean. <laughs> I'm a big fan of sarcasm. If you haven't met me before, no, I get that. I get that. I apologize. I had my wife giving me some shit, and I looked down at my phone, and I come back to you, bad mouth, and Scotty Scheffler, and I'm like, the fuck is this guy on? Yeah, it was a joke because he finished T15. He didn't win. <laughs> Fucking clown. I know. I don't think he's even trying. He's not trying. Um. Okay. Anything else from the Byron? I, again, I, I didn't watch a ton of it. Move on. I, I say we move on. There's a couple other news stories hold on, before hold we on. get into Let the preview. I'll just say one thing. I give credit to the event because late Sunday on the back nine, 
it did offer a bit of drama. All of a sudden, we did see a bunch of birdies and everyone grouping up there at the top, and that was fun to watch. I'm not saying I'm a fan of 25 under. I'm not saying I'm a fan of every part of it, but at the same time, all of a sudden, I turned around and said, hey, boys, we got a golf tournament here. Yeah, you're right. Yep. We had we we had a big group up there at the top, and that, that was pretty fun. And watching guys birdie out to try and make it happen, it was cool. Again, I'm not arguing this is the best tournament and on tour, um, but it it needs to be recognized that they deserve a little bit of do. Yeah, they, they had the, on, they had the drama. Yep. Well, that, TV product, absolutely. That's the goal of every golf tournament. If you can get guys with some drama on the back nine on Sunday, that's the goal. That's what we're looking for. I don't care if it's seven under, seventeen under, twenty seven under. If you can get the drama, we're going to yeah. be interested. I'm not saying one tournament's better than the other. I'd probably argue the lesser. I'd rather see seven and 17 under and let's see some guys really duke it out. But I promise you, 25, 26, I think that can be reined in a bit. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's, it is fun. It's different. And, and, and uh, Mike and I talked about earlier, like it's almost like the, they set up the course in favor of this because, like, and I touched on this. Before, if you play this course in November when it's 40 degrees and you play it from the tips, it's it's a pretty difficult golf course um, if you get the wind blowing the right way. But in May, hardly any wind from what I could tell uh, and firm fairways and soft greens like and, and moving tees up on par fives to where the guys are hitting three woods and seven irons. It's like they wanted guys to shoot, um, you know, 25, 26 under par, which is fine. Um, I think it's, it's, it's kind of neat to have some character, you know, from week to week where it's not every week is like seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12 under par. Cause that's what it typically is on the PJ tour. You're going to get upper single digits, lower teens every single week, unless you're, it's in a major championship or you go to the John Deere classic, or you go to the, <laughs> uh, yeah. the Byron Nelson, you know, so, but it, it's nice to switch it up. That gives, it gives the, the tournament some. Um, it gives it some character and makes it, it separates itself from some of the other events. So you you have, you remember it. You're like, Oh man, I remember watching the Byron Nelson last year. The guy shot 2,500 out there. You know, it was kind of fun on Sunday to watch, you know, seven guys try to make seven birdies in a row coming down the stretch. So, you know, to each their own. Yeah. yeah it's different. Yep. So, all right. I guess the big news story of the week, or I guess there's, there's been a couple, you know, off the golf course news stories, but the biggest one, came out that uh, the PGA Tour denied all the requests for those guys who um, were trying to play in the first Saudi event in London in a few weeks. They said, nope, sorry, not happening. In the best interest of the tour, you guys can't go play. So what what are your takes on that uh a little surprising based on some of the thing i was reading but then add more i think about it it's really not surprising at all i mean i don't i don't blame the pga tour for for doing that um uh, because i i they're, they're trying to you know save face here the only thing that i feel with the live tour right now and how it's so um up in the air, like everything about that tour is up in the air. There's nothing concrete about it. They seem so unorganized. So to me, it was almost like if I were really, there's so many other tours in the world 
right? And they give these releases all the time. So for them to not give a release for an eight series event, it's not even a tour. It's really an eight series event for them not to give that. They really feel like it's going to be a threat to the, to the, to the tour. So there's something going on there or they're trying to just make a statement. And uh, because otherwise they would have nothing to fear. Like let these guys go, let these guys go play and then play two or three events and the tour crumbles because there's nothing there. And then just let them come back. Um, and then now that that now you see that these guys have a little bit more of allegiance to the PGA tour by doing so. But like I said, if you draw the line in the sand, now you're going to get people. Now you're going to create more. I think you're going to create more drama by doing that, by not releasing them. If it, I, the way I looked at it is like, Hey, we're the best tour in, in, in the world. Um, sure. Go, go play the, the three or four series event. You know, that that's probably all that's going to happen. Um, and then when you're done with that and you want to come back to PG tour, that's fine because we know that's not going to happen. So there, there's different ways to look at it. Um, but I, like I said, I feel like the PGA tour is drawing a line in the sand and, and that's fine. They have the right to do so, but so do the players. Um, I, I think when I, when I watch like any of the, any other news outlets and the other media coverage, um, it's some of the past players that have played on the, played on the PGA tour. They're so against, uh, a, someone else challenging the PGA tour, which I think is wrong. Um, I think, they're saying that because they have connections with the PGA tour and they have connections with the, the administration uh, with the PGA tour. And that's fine. Uh, but give, give us a true opinion. They all, and Ricky Fowler, I think said it best when they interviewed him and, and like um, you had Brandel Chambly and you had uh, Brad Faxon, who I really respect. I think he's, but they both bashed Ricky for saying what he said um, and saying that he thinks competition is good. And they said that they they bashed him because he said he's not playing well. And that's why he made those comments. And I think that's false. That's that's not the right attitude. And they all would have said the same thing. If you're going to if you want to compete, which they all did, they all played in multiple tours, different tours to try to play against the best players they could. And trying to push push a tour to expand and to do something different and do something better is a good thing. There's not there shouldn't be one tour or one person that that holds holds the rein there that tells everybody what to do. Like, I think by pushing that envelope is a good thing. And I think the players have the right to do that. The PJ tour has the right to say, no, you can't do that as well. Um, but in my opinion, I think they should just say, yeah, go for it. That tour is not better if they really believe that. Um, so well, I think me, I so, like they, they feel like there's something else going on there that why they wouldn't release that. So I think the big difference is with them allowing people to go play in other events and not allowing them to play in this is for one, they are considering this basically a tour and let's, let's be honest. It essentially is. Yeah. It's just an eight series on the Asian tour, but that's not what the goal of this thing is. It's obviously been clearly stated what the goal of this is. And so they see it as another rival tour. So yes, do they, are they a little bit scared? If you're looking at a pie chart? Yeah. There's a, there's a sliver of that pie that is, Definitely scared. The other thing is, too, that's even hits more closer to home is typically when they're giving releases to go play in other events, they're in other parts of the world. Half of this tour, actually more than half of this tour, is in the United States going up against other PGA Tour events in the United States. And I think that's a hits a little too close to home. And you got to think the PGA Tour is not only are they trying to protect the tour for everyone? Cause they do have 200 guys to think about, not just the top 40 to think about. They also have to answer to sponsors and TV people. Mm -hmm. Right. And they have TV executives asking, well, if you're going to let all these guys go, what product am I putting on TV? What can I sell the ads? 
if you're the RBC Canadian Open, which is what this one goes against, this first London event goes against, they're going to be like, well, if you're going to let people go to that, I'm not ponying up money next year to be a sponsor. So they they yeah. pretty much have to say no to this one, I think, to these but guys. How many, but you say all these guys. How many guys? We don't know that's, the actual that's my, number. That's my point. Like if there if there were really that many guys that were going to go play in the in this in this first event, it's one event. Like I could see if if you if the, if they went and played in one, two, three events, they'd be like, hey, no, this is it. I, we said you could play in two or three of these events, but one event. They're they're denying them one event, so they're basing this denial off of speculation off of what they think this tour could do or potentially do. So that's why I think it's a little weird because they, they, they would get these releases all the time. So if one guy says, Hey, I want to play in this live tour event, see what it's all about. And, and they can say, sure, you can take that your one release, but you know, there's stipulations with those releases. They have to come back and make an, make an attempt to play in that same event within three to four years. Um, and that's fine. If you do two, if you do three, then that that's when I feel like they have the right to say, Hey, nope, you don't have the release. If you want to go play, go play. You're banned from the tour. Not for one event. I think they're jumping the gun a little bit. Yeah. I think event. they just don't want to set any kind of precedent nor, and they just want to then just cut Norman at the knees because they have a hatred for Norman. Norman has a hatred for them. So I think that's playing into part of their decision. I think it might've been a little bit different if it's not Greg Norman. Maybe. Who's who's the figurehead behind this tour? Yeah. If there's some like the the PGL, the guy named Andy Gardner. No one knows who Andy Gardner is. There's no right, whatever. He's not a villain. But to the PGA Tour, Greg Norman's a villain and villain. And now you're, they're going to be like, no, fuck you, Greg. You're done. You're not even going to get started. And I think that's that's where it comes from. Yeah, which uh, you know, as and that's fine for them to have that that thought or that belief. But as a player, um. I would argue now again. I'm I'm not a member of the PJ Tour, but um, I would I would venture to say that these guys are really looking into the bylaws of the release and how they can get get out of uh, of playing one event to go play in another. Well, that's the thing um, is all this stuff has been in the bylaws for decades. This is way before Live Golf. This has been in the bylaws for a while, and I think people lose focus. They say, "Oh, well, they're independent contractors," and they focus on the independent part. But can we think of what contractor means? You still sign an agreement you sign on a dotted line of the bylaws to agree mm-hmm. with the pga tour so there is a a contract there yes you're independent by nature but there's a contract of rules that you're going to follow on the pga tour and these bylaws have been in there forever the players have never had an issue until now well th- that's what i mean they well, haven't changed no other option. They, they haven't they haven't changed in the past from what they are now and there's been tons of releases but the pga tour has decided we don't like Greg Norman. You can't go play in this one event, which that's where I, that's where I think the discrepancy is. They're letting their their personal opinion of one person and a, a series of events that they run dictate whether or not these guys can go play. So it goes both way, it goes both ways with this independent contractor business. You know, we yes, they are an independent contractor. They do sign the data line because the PGA Tour provides that platform. Yes, but if all these guys say, you know what, I don't like the way you're treating us right now. The, the way you're holding us back, you know, if we want to go play in one event um, and you're going to say no to us, it, it, you're setting yourself up for, for, like I said, when you draw the line in the sand I, and I, I'll be honest, if you draw the line in the sand and you cut out 20 guys that wanted to play in one event and you get, now you get, now you pick sides. You've got 20 guys. 
I'm not saying this is going to happen, but once you do it, you're going to have 20 guys. That 20 turns into 30. That 30 turns into 40. And now you've got us versus them. And now you've got a real problem. But if they were to just say, you know what? Hey, go play in your one event. Fine. We'll give you, we'll grant you the release like you want. And if you go there and you say you want to continue to play there, that's when we've got a problem with, with the agreement that you've made with the PGA Tour. That's when we say, no, we're not giving you release three, four, and five. Uh, but for one event, like I know you understand what you're saying. You want to chop chop the legs off at the, at the beginning. But again, I think you draw the line in the sand here. But there's an agreement between the players and, and the platform. If there are no players to play on your platform, PJ Tour, you don't have anything. Um, and again, well, you can so, argue, oh, we've got the nation, well, the Corn Ferry Tour, they can come up, but that's nothing compared so to I just, the, the big names. I just thought it was on the, on the spot. I have no idea if this is right or not, but this is just a thought. I'm wondering if, are they doing this because they know their bylaws say they can do this? However, they've been saying that they're going to ban people if they go play on this tour and try to come back, I'm wondering if they're not fully confident in the legality of banning people from their tour. So they don't want to get into that scenario. They just don't want people to go over there at all and then have the option to come back because they don't know if they can actually ban them or not. So if they never go and play in three, you know, you were saying, Oh, they go play in three events and the thing sucks and they all, they all try to come back and they're saying they're going to ban them. They may not know if that, it will hold up in a court of law, but they probably know, oh, well, these bylaws are these bylaws that these guys signed off on. That will hold up if someone were to try to litigate that. And maybe, again, that's just complete speculation yeah. just off the You're cuff as you were talking. Deny, if they just deny one release, just deny the release, not ban them from the tour. They never you know, go that, over that, there, then they don't have to worry about the, the, the legal fight of them banning them, be. period. Yeah. You know, I don't know. Yeah, that's just... Uh, it could be a way for them to try to get ahead of it. Could be a reason. They know they they maybe made an incorrect statement there, saying they're going to ban players, and that I'm I'm sure that a lot of these players have gotten with their lawyers and and looked at it. Um, now and, and again, we've all talked about this. I don't had I really don't think that this tour it will be competitive at all. Um, I don't. You know, we've talked about it, but I do think that they have the right to. I, think that they have the right to play in these tours. It's not even a tour. I think they have the right to play in another event. Um, again, if, if you get to the point where you, you, you really deny them that fright from the jump, it's like, well, wait a second. Are you, who are you? Are you on our side? You know, Hey, I just want to play in this tour. You know, I'll play in this event. Um, one event, two events, you know, whatever it is. And I'll, I'll play in, I'll, I'll do my time and I'll play in those, those off events next year. Um, but like you said, they, yeah. And for, and for the listeners, they, they do that a lot with these. So like when they gave everyone the release to go play in the Saudi international this year, that was opposite of what AT&T, I believe, right? Pebble beach. And they basically then forced the players to then play in that event that, you know, there's a give and take there. They say, okay, we'll allow you to go play an X, Y, Z event. But because of that, you then have to do, this for us next year or two years and so that's that's kind of what jay's alluding to there so um and i don't i think the time frame and again i don't i don't have all of the bylaws in front of me but i I know that there's a it's not necessarily the next year you have to play in that event it may be within three years you have to make a valiant attempt to play in the, the event that you skipped now, if something happens, you're injured or whatever, you can maybe get a release from that. But that's even goes to, even yeah. to the that new PIP program. I think that's a, a 
a rule in order to take any of that pit money, you have to commit to playing an event that you haven't played in five years or something like that. Again, I'm, yeah. I'm making up the actual parameters of it, but even the PIP includes them having to play in um, a certain event or two well, that they've never played before. Let's get, let's get Phil Mickelson on here. He's he won, right? Or at least he thought he won. Should we get him on there to ask him what he did? Can we get to <laughs> Phil McLean? Do you have anything on the uh, releases? Are we ready yet? Like, fuck. I'm over here twiddling my thumbs. What What do you want to talk about, sir? <laughs> I'm ready to let's go because I think all of a sudden Greg Norman is out with the Saudis. And I think that's where we need to get into because that is a major revelation in all of golf news and everything that we, we're looking at right now. If he's out, who's in? Jack Nicholas turned down over $100 million to be a part of this brand, which is a, a an astronomical number. Even at his, like, look, I, I get it, Jack. You're worth a shit ton. But if you could cash out at your age and, and throw an extra $100 million on your family's trust, I mean, I, I, not that he needs it. I mean, that's, that's aggressive. And quite frankly, it was a terrible point on my part to have you made. That. <laughs> my entire, entire angle right there, just awful. The farther I got into that, the worse I felt. There's, there's the zero the reason for him to take that money. He doesn't need it. But at the end of the day, I think we have some major shit coming up. There's a reason Phil didn't play in the PGA Championship, which is odd as fuck, if I'm being honest with you, because it makes no sense. He needs a cash grab when he can get it. He's a defending champion, and the fact that the defending champion decides not to play means that there's some there's a, there's a major coup in place. And I don't know what it is yet. None of us do. But the fact that all of a sudden Greg Norman may be on the outs, is Phil in the in, even after everything he said? I, I think Phil's Phil's in with the Saudi League, in my opinion. Without uh, question. But is he going to be the face after everything? Is he going to take Greg Norman's place to be the face of it? I mean, we know they're paying big money, but I can probably if they paid, if they were willing to pay Jack that, they paid Greg something like that. And Phil's probably right there behind it. I mean, money to them is it, it's almost they, they can't run out of it. To a certain extent, Phil Phil is suspended from the PGA. I, so here's my I mean, here, here's my quick take. Suspended. I agree. I agree. Here's my quick it's, take. They're on not going to announce it, but he is suspended. When you sign the yeah. dotted line every year to renew your your renew your membership of of that tour, you sign saying that you will not do anything unbecoming of the PGA Tour or anything that will be a detriment to the PGA Tour. You're you, the character, the way you hold yourself. And he's obviously proven with the with what he has said and what he has done and who he's supported that he is he has crossed that line. And they have a hundred percent, I shouldn't say hundred percent, because I, I this is this is my opinion. I I'm gonna put it at 99%. They have they have given him a a private or quiet suspension and said, You are you are not you are not playing in X, Y, and Z events. Um, and I think the the big the big jump will be at the U.S. Open when that's a different platform. They can they can they run their own tour. They but do so work it, with the PGA Tour. But if they if he does not play in that, then we know that the USGA and the PGA Tour are all in cahoots. PGA and the PGA Tour are are tight. We but all you also that. wait. You got to remember though. That, so I I think he's totally suspended by the PGA Tour. Mm-hmm. 
He could still play this weekend. This is not a PGA Tour event. This is run he, by the he, PGA of America. He could, Two completely they, separate entities. But they are completely separate the entities. But they, they are work. They work together. If if the PGA Tour says, "Hey, will you honor this suspension?" The PGA of America is like, "Yeah, we're we're they're too close." They were one at one time. I think the they, giveaway was that he's suspended from this event as well, even though because the PGA put out the press release that he was WDing. We never heard from Phil or himself or his camp or any kind of statement. Like yeah. Phil, Phil couldn't say like he couldn't put out a tweet. I wouldn't be able to see it because I'm blocked, but he couldn't put out a tweet <laughs> that said like, Hey, sorry guys, I'm just not ready to come back. My game's not ready. I'm not in the right headspace. I can't play. I would love to be there to defend my title, but I'm not going to be there. But he never did that. The PGA of America yeah. came out and said he's WDing. We wish yeah. him and a- him and Amy the best of luck. I think there's <laughs> something. I think there's something. And I I heard Rich Lerner on the Golf Channel last night. All these reporters know something behind the scenes. There's more going on with Phil that's going to drop at some point. They're all <laughs> alluding. They're all alluding to more than just making up making a bad decision with the Saudis and then saying some dumb comments. Like there's. There's something I think there's something bad going on. There's also so Alan Shipnuck's book has come out actually came out today. I haven't seen any new excerpts. I think most of the juicy stuff is probably already out that we've already talked about. That came out today. But Billy Walters, if anyone knows who Billy Walters is, he's a massive gambler who spent jail time for an inside trading issue that Phil was caught up in because Phil is gambling buddies with Billy Walters. Phil didn't do any jail time. He, this is when the, when the FBI pulled him aside at the memorial a handful of years ago. He had to give back all of his earnings that he made from this insider trading scandal, but he never did any jail time. Billy Walters went to jail. Billy Walters is now out of jail writing a book that's supposed to be coming out, I think, this summer. I'm wondering that Billy Walters is going to air some grievances in this thing and is pissed and has an axe to grind against Phil. And there's something else big to drop on Phil Mickelson. Again, that's just from what I've been, the tea well, leaves I've looks, been reading. It looks that way. It looks that way. Yeah. We're yeah. seeing way too much information come out randomly about Phil. And it certainly looks like there's more to come out. Mike, is that water? Yeah. It's also so a bourbon. There's a lot more information to come out about Phil, and I think we're all going to see it. It's it's going to come to fruition, especially if he's on the outs, because all of a sudden no one wants to ruin something that's a good thing. So people stay on the yeah. sideline when that's the case. But when he's on the outs and all of a sudden everyone looks like, hey, I got a chance to make a dollar off of this, that's what's going to happen. I mean, it's – they they have that knowledge, but they're not going to ruin a good thing. When something something sour, everyone's looking to cash in. I'm just telling you that right now. And if and if Phil wasn't suspended from this week's event, or told not to show up, or whatever you want to call it, and PGA he actually said what they did. he actually just WD'd on his own accord, then dude, you're fucking chicken shit. Like, show up, go to a press conference, answer to the fans, answer to the reporters. Like you, you've talked yourself out of so many things over all these years. We've, we've had, you've had diarrhea of the mouth on every occasion possible over all these years on various topics. 
And now all of a sudden it goes against you for the first time in your career that people have finally realized. And part of this is me just taking a victory lap because I've been pounding this drum for years. Sure. But but it looks like Phil may have stepped into Norman's shoes and he has a hundred million reasons not to play this week because all of a sudden they have some out with Norman. It makes no sense. I'm not real sure what it is. And I'm not saying I'm correct, but all of a sudden, there's just there's just some like dumb napkin math that you look at quickly. It's like mm, that does kind of fucking add up. So if Phil, if, let's just say that all the reports are correct, Norman's on the outs. They need a face of it. They need someone influential. It is Phil. Forget what he fucking said. He said it. You can't get over it. You can't get past it. But there's very few people they have in their pockets that are as influential as a guy like Phil Mickelson is. So it makes sense to me that all of a sudden. Phil had the opportunity to possibly run into that. We've already heard Nicholas turned down a million or a hundred million. I would bet Norman's probably somewhere in that hundred million dollar range. And you could throw 50 at Phil. He needs to probably pay off creditors as it fucking sits or at least bookies. Yeah, but he, he was influential. I think he's now lost no, all that. No, no. he has. Nobody wants to touch the guy with a 10 foot pole. You, you, not, not, not the older contingent. Now, I can promise you right now, the forty-five to sixty-five-year-old crowd, which is the predominant crowd for our industry, everyone will tell you right now, a fifty-four-year-old male, statistically, the most common golfer in America. So, if you find that, yeah, but he needs sixty-five-year-old crowd. To, I don't think they care. I'm not. I'm not talking about the average fan. I'm talking about he needs to be influential with the guys on tour to make it successful. I think who, he still is. who cares what a what a fifty five year old guy on his couch thinks about Phil? It's about what the he needs players. If he's going to make this thing work, and he's in bed with the Saudis, and he's in this deep, he needs the players to make it successful. I and they're not touching him with a ten foot pole. No, I I think I think he's I think he's more influential. And but here's the best part about our sport: we have so many guys that are in that forty to fifty uh, age range that are not quite as competitive as they used to be that can go out and cash a paycheck real quick and still play some good golf. I mean, it's not going to be a shitty product. We're not going to watch bad golf. We're just not going to watch Justin Thomas and Xander Shoffley shoot fucking five strokes better than they are. So all of a sudden you get a good product. You get some guys that have some notoriety. You get some guys that have a following. They've got a product. And quite frankly, if you're going to guarantee money, it's hard not to fucking go do it. I mean, think about it. Ricky Fowler has not confirmed either way, which opens up opportunity for the first young big name to go do it. But what do we look at Ricky doing right now? He's falling off a little bit. He's not quite as competitive as he yeah, used to be. Yeah, he's 150 in the world. Can go, if he can go and run overseas and create a massive cash grab, I mean, people forget these people do this shit for money. That's what they're playing for. So if they get an opportunity to get some guaranteed money and make some big money at the same time, I can't fault them for going to do it. I can't fault them for going to take care of their family generationally if they have the opportunity to. I, I get it. I fucking get it. A quick question. Who hangs out with Phil Mickelson on the PGA Tour? Like, who does he play with? Like, even Tiger. Like, and Tiger was the guy who was... John he, Rom, that Arizona State. Okay, the Arizona State connection. Yeah, that, that. yeah, that's because it's yeah, yeah, yeah. It makes like, me like who, Phil. Like, Mickelson. who is buddies with like Phil Mickelson? Like, I don't, I can't think of one 
I don't think he has it. He plays practice rounds and does some gambling and trash talking, but I don't think he has friends. And and Todd Lewis even alluded to that on the Golf Channel last night that he said something that Phil is not the most. He's never been the most well liked in the locker room on the the PGA Tour. Yeah, Yeah. but he is is one of the most most recognizable and respected, but not one of the most well liked. Correct. Yeah, I mean he, he's he's respected because he's because of his his pedigree, his stature, and his, his stature, and his talent, and what he's done in the game. But I, he's a strange guy. I mean, and I I think it's I think a lot of us in the golf world, if you've been in for the last twenty five years, thirty years now, that he's kind of been on the scene, you've heard the rumblings that he's a strange guy. He's very different, um, and. And I think it's 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 with all the the stuff going on with live golf, it's starting to come to a head where the guys are like, yeah, he's it's before if you were a household name like Phil or, or Tiger, it's like, I, you know, I'm not trying to get in a in, in a pissing match with two of the most well known players on tour. It's not worth it. So they just keep their mouth shut. Um, but when he makes some mistakes and, and aligns himself with maybe the wrong people or the wrong tour. It's easy for the other guys to say, yeah, he was always a little weird or whatever. Now, yeah, but I think, I think this is given, laundry. this is definitely given. I, I have heard people talk worse about Phil now and the media talk worse about Phil now than I ever have. Exactly. I, I almost think part of it. And again, this is me as a massive Phil hater. Part of it is I, I hear these people and they're almost like, Oh, I can finally say what I want to say about this. Exactly. Guy. Exactly. Like, exactly. oh man, this guy's been a douchebag forever. And now I can finally say it, you know? Yeah. Uh, even Tiger came out today and they asked him about Phil not being there. And he was just like, yeah, well, I just disagree. I think we've all pushed back. And he was, you know, yada, yada. He was just like, yeah, I, I completely disagree with what Phil has said and done and his take on what the PJ tour is and does for us. And obviously, Tiger's not going to, at this point with his health, is not going to stir the pot, I don't believe. Um, yeah, enough. But he's definitely never been a huge fan of Phil, and they they haven't seen eye to eye on a lot of things over the years and had an interesting relationship. But, um, yeah, he pushed back pretty good on on Phil today. That's for sure. What's well, a popular take for Tiger? It makes sense why Tiger says that. It helps his brand. And regardless of how he feels, I I think that's more personal than it is legitimate business sense, if I'm being honest. Maybe. I'm not sure about the business sense, but it might be personal. I think it I, I think it I think it exists without question. Oh, they definitely have a personal thing. I mean, it, it seems to have softened over the last handful of years. Um no, it does, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that questions Tiger's business sense. He's pretty good at business, it seems like. No, he's incredible. Well, his team is. Sure. His team's fantastic at business sense. He has hired the best people to be around him, and he's done a great job at that. I think at the same time, though, Phil, people feel, I'm sorry, that may not be the best way to say it. People feed, not Phil, people feed Phil's ego. Yeah, because we know it's big, and you know, I, I feel like a lot of his team is is accustomed to just feeding that. Yeah, oh, the the yeah, I think he just probably surrounds himself with with people that will just tell Phil yes. Somebody needs to tell Phil no at some uh, point in his absolutely. life. 
Yeah. Absolutely. All right. So with Phil, with Phil WDing from the PGA, that brings us to the PGA. Let's get into a little bit of our preview here and and picks and sleepers and, and whatever we want to talk about. It's Southern Hills, Tulsa, Oklahoma this year. They're hosting their seventh major. Um, believe it or not, I actually turned down a job opportunity from Southern Hills for an internship when I was in college. I had to choose between Bannon Dunes or Southern Hills. I got offered both. You're where you belong, Palatan. <laughs> ah, that's right. Thanks. Uh, yeah, so I turned down Southern Hills and ended up going to Bannon Dunes instead. But I did have a job, interviewed with them and did have a job offer from them. So pretty, pretty good opportunity. I think Bandit Dunes was the right choice. It was, uh, it was, Hills was a good spot too. Pretty much a, it was pretty much a win win there for me on that one. I couldn't make a bad decision. So can't but, lose. Um, PJ Championships back, uh, different than when we last saw it in 2007 with Tiger. Gil Hans came in a few years ago and did a whole renovation to Perry Maxwell's design, took out some trees, redid all the bunkers. Um, brought in a bunch of creeks that were there. And I guess Gil Hans had said that they found out that they had filled a lot of them in or just piped them and grew grass over them. And so they ex- re-exposed them. And it looks, I think it's going to look great on TV. It looks better just watching some of the videos and the flybys. And I watched a couple mm-hmm. um, videos today online of the golf course. Seems like there's a lot of short grass, not much rough like we kind of typically see in a pga uh, there's a lot of runoffs off the greens hands kind of the ball's going to repel off the greens it's not going to funnel balls back onto the green it's going to shoot balls I like that off the greens into a lot of these collection areas with short grass uh different bunkering down the rough style yeah i think it's great i think i think short grass brings in more options for a player when they miss a green of what to yeah. do where it's not just, you know, hack it out of the rough and, you know, see but what I, happens. Think, I think that's a more fair, uh, setup if I'm being honest. Yeah, I agree. I, I I'd love to see that, but let's get them get a good line. Let's make them. I, I want to see it hard. I want to see an elevated complex. I want to see some runoff and I want to see you make it a hard, a hard shot, but I don't want it to be so incapacitated by a, bad lie with super high rough that it becomes an impossible event. Yeah. I think one of the best parts about our game, and I think anyone you talk to is a good player, well, the most fun they have is hitting just those ridiculous chip shots. Or chip shots. And one of the best part as watching tour players, like an Abraham answer, Spanish sensation. <laughs> when he when he throws that thing out there with a shit ton of spin and you you rip the cover off of it next to the hole, that's as exciting to me as a good fucking shot from 190 yards. Yeah, I think it's fun because you could you get a guy that uses a putter or a three-wood off those lies. You could get a guy that takes an eight iron and banks yeah. it into the slope, or you could get the guy that takes the lob wedge and, and flies it onto the green and tries to spin it. It just, it it just brings in way more. It adds a ton of versatility. Yeah. It adds a ton so- of versatility. What what is the? I definitely I've definitely noticed the runoff and and some of the shaved uh, collection areas around the greens. But I mean the rough still looks pretty thick in the in the fairway though to me. Yes, there is some it. rough in the fairway. Yeah. But he did Hans did widen the fairways um, pretty substantially. He said on about six or seven holes, um, took out some trees and and did widen the fairway. So I'm not sure driving is going to be a huge premium 
this week because it of is, that. It is Bermuda Bermuda rough, which you know, three inches of Bermuda rough is could be gnarly, pretty substantial. Yeah, yeah. Um, but but he did. You said he widened he widened six or seven fairways. Um, yes, just to try to create a little bit more opportunity. So I, I'm my guess is if they've widened the fairways, still they still got some substantial rough, but they've widened the fairways, and they really they're going to really make some they're going to give these guys some really difficult pin positions, like really tuck these pins with some of this runoff. So it, whereas like a U.S. Open, they tuck a pin and you miss the green just over the back, you've got a 10-foot pitch, or I'm sorry, not even a pitch, a 10-foot chip out of thick fescue. Like yeah. you're going to find a way to chunk it on the green and give yourself a putt. But if you've got a back right pin and it's got a big ledge behind it, that it's all, it's like a big collection area. It's all shaved down. Now you, you could have hit a great shot and you missed it by a yard or two. Now you've got a 30 yard pitch shot. So um, I, I, it all, you know, again, it all comes down to your iron play into the green. Yeah. It sounds like the greens are a little bit smaller than they're kind of used to on PJ tour standards. Um, they're talking about a lot of little tiny shelves where they can stick hole locations that are going to make it interesting where if you're just off a couple of feet, it could rappel down um, either yeah. off the green or to a different part of the green where you, you got no chance of making a putt really. Um, yeah. I think it's going to be great. Uh, one thing I don't like, you know, so they've just because of it's 2022 and guys are hitting an absolute mile, they've had to add a lot of length and they've put some tees in some weird locations like the 13th hole. So one in 10, the tees basically are next to each other and cross each other where you have to hit. So they have to stagger tee times. Normally in these events, they do a, a two tee start and there'll be a, an 830 on number one and an 830 on number 10. Well, now they have to have an 830 on number one and an 835 on number 10 because the tee mm. shots go across each other. And it happens in a handful of locations. It happens three or four times along the golf course. Like the 13th tee, when they put it all the way back, you have to legitimately hit over the 12th green. That's going to be a pace of play nightmare. It happens in two other locations. I believe six, like seven T is a basically right behind or right next to six green. You have to hit over the back of six green. That stuff I think is going to be an utter disaster from a pace of play standard. It's going to in that. And you've got how many, how many PGA professionals are playing? 20. So it's a hundred and 156 field. 20 PJ professionals, um, but this is the, the strongest field in the majors that you get is always the PGA championship in the, in the majors. It's not the strongest field. No, the players championships, always the strongest field, but the strongest, well, definitely field the strongest from a major perspective. I mean, my father played in this event. I don't know how many times I want to say it was like 14 or 15 times. And um, he always preached that. Damn, and, That's incredible. I knew he played in a bunch of, them. I didn't know 14 or 15. I, if I'm if I go back to I think he played in 21 majors. Um, he he was That's he incredible. Won the, he won the uh, National Club Pro CPC now the PGA Professional Championship back in '89, and that basically got him grandfathered into that event nonstop. But he finished top yeah. 25 back in the day a lot before they made it top 20, and I think when he made it top 20. He made it one or two more times. I mean, he he had aged up into it, uh, but yeah. he, he played he played in over. I, I'd have to go back and look at the number. I want to say it's like twenty three major championships. There are, there are household names on the PGA Tour, guys that you you that we talk about that have not played in twenty plus majors. That's that's pretty incredible. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. Yeah. 
as a club pro, mind you. As a club you know, pro, like, like still so running a club. He, look, I can remember being on the driving range and him giving shit to one of his tour buddies. And I, I want to say it was probably Mark Kalkabekia or Fred Funk, one of those guys. I, I'm pretty sure it was Calc. But he goes, little buddy, what were you doing last week? I, I, I ran a member guest. <laughs> and I mean, it's real talk. I mean, I can remember those weeks growing up as a kid where he would he would literally run the member guests all day. And Mike can tell you, it's not a short-term event. But at the end of the day, finally, when it got done, he'd go out and hit balls for an hour. He was trying to get it done because he had, he had the PGA the next week. And I remember growing up um, – I was I went to the PGA Championship almost every year, um, and missed school my second week of school per year because it normally happened right after my birthday, which was August twenty sixth. Now, obviously, uh, it's changed on the calendar where it is, but um, no, I, I remember going to from Wingfoot to Valhalla to God, the list goes on and on. Uh, all of a sudden, I, I come. Um, almost missing it but no going back and look at it between uh what is it uh, 89 and probably 2000 he played in 65 percent of those pga championships qualifying through the national club bro that's awesome no uh, it's pretty special that is that is that's incredible i mean i don't I don't know, you know, back in the day when when the the two there was just one tour, it wasn't the PGA of America and the PGA Tour. They were one. It was a little different. But I would be curious to see how many. What's the after that after that uh, separation? How many? What is the record for most PGA championships by a club pro? I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, I would, it'd be, it'd be I would bet to- money. I would bet money right now. Dad's one, two, or three. I would bet he's probably really? one or two. I would guarantee right now, Dad's probably one or two. If you That's, had to look at it, I don't know that that stat exists. But it's got to exist. Him and Bob Sowards would be one and two. Yeah. But take guess. Bob Sowards been out there a while. He he's continuously qualified. Well, I would bet that it, it, it's Bob Sowers and dad were probably, and the funny part, both of them named Bob. Well, that's the way it was back in the day. I mean, you go back to like Chandler Harper in Virginia, Sam Snead. I mean, these are the Virginia PGA pros that I know, but I mean, Sam Snead, obviously 80 plus, you know, PGA tour professional wins, but was a PGA pro sure. ran, ran the shop. Chandler Harper ran Without the shop. Question. Well, that's these guys ran. Look, look, yeah, I, I, I talked to dad about that a ton. And it was it was normal thing. He said, you know, back in the day when because dad was trying to make it, he had been on tour full time for a while. And, you know, this is this is totally different than what Tom and Curtis went through. You know, so it's a little bit different. It's it's, it's a step down. Obviously, Curtis is an amazing player. So we've talked about him on this podcast. But to talk about dad, you know, a, a step down. Tom, from his Tom Strange, you know, Tom Strange so- Curtis's dad. He was a PGA exactly. pro and played and played and I don't well, I don't know if he played exactly. in the majors or not. But but the difference is and going back to it, you know, one dad was known as Doctor Doom on the PGA tour. He was known <laughs> as Doctor Doom because he got so pissed at having over thirty putts, but he had one of the highest greens in regulation and the highest uh, driving accuracy um, statistics. But he got so bad at just having over thirty putts, the some bitch would shoot. 68 with 30 putts, like it was going out of style. He hit 16 greens, 
13, 12 fairways, whatever it was. And she, and it was just baffling. I remember growing up, he would oftentimes, they'd come home mad as shit. I mean, growing up, with the, the guy played golf seven days a week. And he'd come home and be like, ah, he was so mad. He putted more than he hit the ball. Probably five to 10 times that I can remember. He'd come home, he was so goddamn mad. And he had actually putted more that day than he had hit the ball. He had more putts than he did full swing shots. And that would eat at him so bad that he was Dr. Doom on the PGA Tour. That's that's a true story known in the early 80s when he was on tour full time. He was known as Dr. Doom. He got so bad about his putting. And the crazy part is people are like, well, you hit fucking 16 greens. You're going to have more putts. You're not relying on getting up and down. I mean, he hit these. He hit the epitome of straight ball. And if you talk to any of the old tour guys, talk to any of the people that used to play with him, know him well. He he was the weird. He was the weird one. He hit the straight ball. He say, "Well, do you shape it right, left, left, right?" He said, "No, nah, I hit it straight." And people were like that yeah. doesn't make sense, especially back in the day when shape, was, when shape was everything. Which so mm-hmm. spun it, their it's, ass a off. it's a different thought process to, to modern golfer, especially at that time, that golf. So, mm-hmm. you know, like I said, he, he, he played a different game. Um, I can remember growing up around it and uh, it was very cool to watch. Very cool to see, but no, he was known as Dr. Doom on the PGA tour. Didn't think he made enough bucks. He, he'd shoot 68 with 31. Let's get into uh, the PGA Championship. So man. yeah, let's get into a little more. So first off, a couple of real quick stories on the uh, as I was researching Southern Hills. You guys know the Hubert Green story, 1977 U.S. Open. I'm sure you've heard this. No. Might... He was leading Sunday, 1977 U.S. Open. The FBI approached him at Southern Hills on the 15th tee box to say that there were death threats against his life and snipers were going to take him out as he played that hole. Jeez. He continued to play. I guess he snap hooked his tee ball, ended up getting it on the green, two putted, made a par, did not get shot, and went on to win the U.S. Open. (laughs) I did not know that. After the FBI tells him on, on the tee box in the middle of the round, hey, yeah, you have a death threat. Something to shoot you on this hole. <laughs> makes a par. It makes a par. I mean, what what do you I mean, just what do you do? Nervous. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, mean, what are you gonna do? What are you gonna what are you gonna stop? Um, yeah, remarkable. Another crazy story at Southern Hills. There was a murder in nineteen eighty one in the parking lot of one of their members, and it was a hit. Uh, arranged by Whitey Bulger, the longtime mobster from Boston, Massachusetts. All the terrible people come out of Boston. Wait, 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 wait a minute. I talked about one. What other terrible people? That's it. <laughs> the head of the Winter Hill gang, Whitey Bulger, who was the FBI's most wanted guy for decades. Um, I guess this guy, I forget, I apologize, I forget his name, was killed because so he bought into this highlight league and the guy that was running the highlight league was a part of was an associate of bulger and they were skimming money for years millions of dollars off this league and this guy figured out what they were doing so whitey bulger ordered a hit guy went down killed him in the southern hills parking lot after a round of golf just shot him right in his car 1981 
And this, the Golf Channel did a great story. The year was born. There you go. Um, The Golf Channel did a great story on it. There's this 25-year-old detective from Tulsa that was on the case, and he would not let it go. And he basically was trying to go after this and figure it out and figure it out. And there was one guy who had kind of tried to talk. Anyways, he got killed. I'm assuming Woody Bulger had him taken out. Another guy, this high, the head of the high lie. Well, the, this Tulsa detective went to Boston to try to find this guy who was the head of the high lie organization. He went missing. They end up finding his body in Miami in a trunk of a car, like just <sighs> a crazy story. And this is what pretty much then some other guy that acts the hitman that actually did it got arrested for something else. That's when it then came. He was in jail. That's when it came out that Whitey Bulger was an FBI informant. And he rat, he was like, wait a minute. I thought, you know, I thought I was going to be protected by Whitey Bulger when he was not going to be protected by Whitey Bulger. So he spilled the beans on Whitey Bulger. And that's basically what caused Whitey Bulger to go on the run for all those years. And then in 2013 was finally uh, arrested and apprehended. Mm. Is that how long it took? Yeah. So crazy, crazy story. Uh, well, he was on the run for like 35 years. It was a long time. Undetected, paying cash for everything in Southern California. Yeah. Crazy, crazy story. Good for, so, good for him. Um, that None of those two stories have anything to do with this week's event, but they're just pretty wild stories that took place at this, this golf um, course. I do, I do have one uh, quick question. Favorite PGA championship fist pump or reaction and i'm gonna even narrow it down to tiger woods oh it's it's, it's, love 1997 at wingfoot i was there oh that's your that's your favorite that was the the awkward visor awkward visor with the rainbow his dad rainbow the the fucking visor and everything fuck yeah To, Get the fuck out of here! You're un-American <laughs> if you don't like that shit. To, to me, crazy. Jay, when you say that, when you said that, all I can think of is Tiger Woods, Valhalla, uh, point. Bo- Bob May, the, Bob the May. chasing down point, too. the chasing it down point that in that playoff is the best. That's that's got I, well, I I mean that that I was gonna say that one or a couple holes later when or. Wait, was it was I think it was the putt that he made on 18. Was that in regulation? Yeah. When he made that five 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 footer. That was a tough putt. Downhill left to rider, and he made it. I just remember giving that one a little, little fist pump, jab down. A little jab. Yeah. And I was like, God, that was such a clutch putt. And and Bob May made a clutch putt too. Um I don't remember that uh and that the the chip shot that Phil Mickelson hit um when he won at um God, the first the first PGA that he won it was in a playoff. Um, wasn't it in a playoff that he that he hit that pitch shot up up close. I don't remember any of his uh, success. <laughs> um, <laughs> that and um, the he won the, the Baltusrol one year. Baltusrol, that was the one. That was the yeah. one. Uh, Rory won. Where was the one that Rory won uh, the PGA? Well, he won two. He won Valhalla he won. and Kiowa. The the one at Valhalla when he hit it down the right side of the fairway. Like, did he hit it in the hazard or like it was just out of the hazard on eighteen? On eighteen, yeah, he was trying to. They were playing through or like playing up. Phil was in the group yeah. in front, and there was darkness because there was rain delays, 
And they like kind of waved him up, kind of didn't. And he blocked it right. And then was out of the penalty area by like a yard at that, that Creek that meanders yeah. through the fairway. There's, there's a split fairway there yeah. on the par five yep. at the hollow. Yep. Are we back live? One of, one of my favorite yeah, PGA, one of my favorite PGA moments. And Mike, you're going to love this. 1999 at, um, 1999 um, Medina. at Medina. At Medina. I was there for that event yep. too. That was the that was the Tiger Sergio um, duel debacle there. But when Ti- when Sergio made that putt on um, gosh, what was it? Seventeen. What what what's the par three? Is it seventeen? Yeah. Well, sixteen he made was that putt. sixteen was the hole where he hit that shot off the root by the trunk and then the scissor yes. kick, and then seventeen is the par three. The scissor kick. But on 17, he made he either made he either made a putt for birdie or made a putt for par. Sorry, I, I, I'm, this just came to me. But I remember him making that putt and doing the him giving that fist bump right back to the tee, looking at Tiger. How do you not like Sergio? Like stand up to stand up to Tiger like the, this this robot behind him. And Sergio, he he does complain and he, he does sound annoying. To yeah, people. he was cool, but he is fearless. He like he does not. He does not care yep. who it is. He looks back at that tee. Is like I don't get an. I don't give a shit who you are. I'm gonna make my putt and I'm gonna. I'm gonna stand up to you. And Tiger did what he does. And that was his. That was only Tiger's second major ever. You know, '99. That was his second major. And then he went on the greatest so, run of all time from '99 to 2009. True story. Thursday, Friday, my dad played in the group in front of him, and they played up. In the group with us on the hole, but the big par three over the water. Yeah, we never saw a golf shot that week. We were just walking in the crowd. This is prime time Tiger, ninety nine at Medina. I mean, can you imagine how big that crowd was? I, I'll never forget it because my mom and I are walking the entire time, and we're in the group in front of us. Tiger had to play up with us on that par three, but they had been pushing us all day. Cause as you can imagine, pace of play, not quick. And we're constantly getting pushed by Tiger group, the crowd around everything. I mean, we're just, we're just trying to stay in, in the fucking realm of things. Um, but I will never forget that event. And when all of a sudden they said, Hey, we're gonna let the group behind you play up. Like, Oh, t- Tiger, t- Tiger. <laughs> Yeah, cool. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, yeah. Come on. Let's play up. Let's play it. Let's play up together. You got it. Walk to the next tee together. You know, inside the ropes, you know, dad felt it, but outside the rope, we felt it more than anyone could imagine. Because when you're inside the ropes, there's only so many people that can crowd them. Yeah. But when you're outside the ropes, it goes 30 to 40 deep. God, I wish you had good internet because the, these know. stories are classic. The, and your shitty castle hotel oh, internet. Shitty internet. Oh, fuck yeah. me. God damn you, Marriott. Wait, they could be a potential sponsor of ours. Don't badmouth them. Yeah. I fucking love Marriott. I switched, <laughs> I switched earlier this year. I'm now so, a Marriott guy. So what happened here? So Tiger, they're they're hitting up because it's, the pace of play is so poor. Look, 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 I apologize, guys. I can't remember the hole itself, but you know the it's the one we all know, the big par three over the water. 
I want to well, say it's 11 or 12. It's 13. There's 13 and 17 in the par threes. 13. It's 13. The big par three over the water. And all of a sudden, it's pace of play slowed down. Crowds are crazy. Impossible. Hey, Tiger's going to play up. The, the group behind is going to play up with you, which happens to be Tiger. And the crowds around everything that come just absolutely. You know, Dad said, he goes, well, you could certainly feel it with everyone around it. And which we had dealt with all day because as the group in front of Tiger, you're going to get the whole crowd getting up there and get ready for Tiger to get there. But the toughest part was that no one gave a shit about the group in front of Tiger. Everyone's yeah. shuffling in, everyone's doing everything the whole time, you know, nonstop, whatever it was. But in his prime, we're talking prime time Tiger. It was incredible to witness. Incredible. Mom and I never saw a shot that dad hit that day. Because the crowd was 10 to 12 deep with the group in front of them because everyone's trying to get in place for what Tiger's coming yeah, through. But we're talking Tiger. about 99 Tiger. Can't blame him. I mean, Jesus Christ, the best golfer of all time in his absolute prime, just destroying the golf course. The, Can't get yeah, mad at it. Can't get mad at it. The Never. most dominant, the most dominant stretch, uh, 99 to 2009. Uh, the most dominant stretch. I mean, I think did I? I think you guys saw that. Uh, somebody sent us sent me sent us. I think a tweet on uh, how how dominant he was, and and I I don't have it. You know, at yeah, hand. I I think I sent it to you guys a few weeks ago. All right, so here you I go. Mean, I just it, I just got it right here. So this was off the off the heels of Scotty Scheffler and how dominant he's been this year. So so far this yeah. season, this was like two weeks ago. Scotty Scheffler has won 29% of his starts and finished in the top 10 and 50%. In an 11-year period from 1999 to 2009, Tiger won 34% of his starts and finished in the top 10 77% of the time. Unreal. That's that's unreal. That's just... There's no one... The anomaly is him finishing top 25 or worse. The anomaly... It's fuck missed the cut. The anomaly is the guy missed finished outside, outside the top outside 10. Top 25. It's it's unreal. You can go back and look at Byron Nelson, Ben Hogan, uh, Bobby <laughs> Jones, Tiger uh, I'm sorry, Jack Nicholas. The most dominant, arguably the most dominant players for a certain period of time. And none of them <laughs> competed and won at that that clip. None of them. Not even close. Yeah. And I, I again, I, I don't have the exact stat in front of me, so it's hard to say that. But I can guarantee you, even in the even in the stretch that Byron Nelson won that eleven in a row, if you did a ten a ten year stretch, he didn't win thirty four percent of his. He wasn't that dominant for that in the top ten seventy seventy five percent of the time, and only if even if he did, he was not playing against the fee one hundred and fifty. Six man field like Tiger was playing. Also, there was a, limit, a lot of limited field events, a lot of two man events back yeah. then. Also the true. Competition was not not the same. So uh, it, it's I don't I think I think that record um, like that those stats and the the three hundred plus weeks at number one is like the Joe DiMaggio. You know, fifty was it fifty six hits? Was it fifty six? Straight yes. fifty six straight games yeah. with a hit like that 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 those are the records that like may they will never be broken, 
they will never be broken. No, there's a lot of them. And you and so speaking of uh this week, kind of going back to your story, McLean, and, and being in the group in front of Tiger. Did you guys see the pairing that came out today? Pairings came out? Unreal. Unreal. I so the first round pairing, they have put or the first two rounds, they have put I th- I would say the three most popular players in the game in the field with no fill. Tiger, Rory, and Jordan in the same group. It's going to be utter chaos out there. I am going to watch it with my pants off, and it's going to be amazing. <laughs> You're such a weirdo. <laughs> <I love it. laughs> well, thank God they did it. Thank God they fucking did it. I mean, that's what we want to see. Thank you for bringing it to us, PGA. I mean, I give them credit for the little bit that they are doing to grow the game. Well done. I mean, I, I, I totally understand. It's it's way easier for them logistically. They're like, hey, who do, who do they want to watch? They want to watch Tiger. They want to watch Jordan. And they want to watch Rory. I, I want to watch Rory. Like, I like Rory. I want to watch I think him. those and are the, people, the three biggest attractions in golf. And put let's just put them all together. Like, make it easy, you know? Like, let's just watch them from T1 to 18 green. Like, it's going to be it. a nightmare out there. To try to watch them, it's going to be crazy. So, all right, let's let's get into our picks. This is running pretty long tonight. Um, we can. I, I think this is going to come down to a iron player and someone who can chip. I don't think off the tee is going to be that important, but I think it's going to be. Can you control your irons? And when you miss some of these weird greens and some weird spots, can you chip it somewhat close and and get up and down a little bit. I looked at, I did a decent amount of research for this. And the two biggest numbers I looked at were strokes gain approach. And then I actually looked at old school stat scrambling percentage. How we get up and down. How, how do you, how well do you do getting up and down? Simple as that. I'm actually, I'm, I'm actually a little nervous about how well you did uh, researching this based on the a whole actually, page. Whole page. It, it doesn't surprise me. It doesn't surprise me. Uh, I was supposed uh, to do my honeydew list today. Um, I did part of it, and then I did a lot of research on the PJ Championship. So, um, you want to go? You want me to go? No, you go. All right, I'll go first because I may change my picks once you pick, and I may add some of your picks. So, <laughs> and this is this is one of my sleepers. He's had a sneaky good year. He's a corn fairy graduate from last year. He's going to be more recognizable and a more of a household name after this week. He's not going to win. You're just going to see him on the leaderboard. You're going to see a handful of shots. He's going to finish top 15 or so. $6,700, Mito Pereira. Yeah. All right. Guy hits it well, hits a lot of greens, ball striker, and he gets it up and down. He's top 15 uh, scrambling on the PGA Tour this year, and he's 13th in stroke scan approach. So $6,700, I like Mito Pereira as your sleeper this week. I'm then going to go up to Keegan Bradley. Not This was the one pick that I didn't love. I was trying to fit someone in in this area of this the dollars amount that I had left. Um, he does hit the ball well. I think he's a, he's a past PJ champion not at this golf course. That will give him a little bit. And he's trying to make it. To Brookline. He's trying to get to the U.S. Open. He needs another good week. 
to get in. So he does not have to go to sectional qualifying. Uh, a great ball striker who has been putting it pretty well uh, this year, like a Keegan Bradley at 7,500. Then these next four guys, I think these next four guys are all going to finish top 10. I, I put a lot of money on these guys. I love get, all these guys, and, and a few of them I've, I've picked a bunch this year. 7,900, Matthew Fitzpatrick. I'm back on his. I apologized. I said I wasn't going to pick him because he chips cross-handed. I, he came in what, third place a couple weeks ago. I apologized. I made amends for that. There's a mea culpa, Matthew. I sincerely apologize. But great iron player. Plays well in some wind. They're talking about the weather coming in. No rain this week, but temperatures are actually going to drop 30 degrees from Thursday to Saturday. Um, some winds coming in. I like him playing in windy conditions, and he's third in scrambling on the PGA Tour on top of being a great iron player. I like Fitzpatrick. Then I go up to Sugar Shane Lowry. Picked him a bunch. Having his best year on the PGA Tour. Another. He's fourth strokes gain approach. He's second in scrambling. And plays well in the wind because he's from Ireland. I love Shane Lowry for a top five, if not a win this week. You need to put a lot of money. You did a lot of research here. You need to put a lot of money on this. Then I go up to Hideki Matsuyama. $9,200. Just finished top five. Obviously flushes the ball. Absolutely flushes it. And is 22nd in scrambling on the PJ Tour. While we don't think of him as a great putter, he gets it up and down a lot. Okay? So I like him around the greens. Then my man, $9,600. Jordan Morkauer. Spieth. Oh, there's your other other butt buddy. My other would be Jordan Spieth. He's he's playing his ass off. He's playing great. He has a win yeah. in a second in his last two starts. He's hitting it as as good as he's ever has, which is remarkable for all these swing changes he's doing. He's 18th strokes gained approach. We know he's a magician around the greens with the wedge and can chip and putt. He's 10th in scrambling on the PJ Tour this year. Jordan Spieth is your winner. I picked Hovland at the beginning of the year when we did this in January, but Hovland can't chip. So I'm sorry, I'm not picking you here. There's no way he's going to be boning chips and flubbing chips all over this place after I looked at it. If oh, I knew all this about the golf course then in January, I would not have picked Hoblin to win this. So I'm backing off my Hoblin pick, and it's Jordan you think Spieth. Spieth is going to get the completes, career completes, Grand Slam. It's the Grand Slam this week. Done. This would be huge. This, is, this would be one of the biggest stories in the last decade. Absolutely. It gets if it done. he gets this. Wow. I love my squad. I'm I'm pretty proud of it. Can and they're all they're probably all gonna miss the cut now. Send send it to me after this. Well, I can pull it up. I can see which well, no, I can't see it until they they until they tee off. I want to put some I want to put some cash on your picks because I feel like you put a lot of effort into it. I, I put like. a lot of cash on my picks today. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, I'll dive into mine. Actually, we've got a couple that are overlapping here, but um uh, and, and for the, a lot of the same reasons, the reasons that you just mentioned, uh, ball striking and and chipping and short game. So uh, predominantly ball striking. But at the bottom of my list here, I've got Billy Horschel, who has he's made 10 of 10 cuts, arguably a, a very consistent golfer, very good ball striker, drives the ball fairly straight um, and just good short game, good putter, just very consistent all around. And, and, and his pedigree 
has proven itself over the past, you know, you know, 10, 10 events here. He's he got seems one, to play tough golf course as well, too. He typically does. And, and the one the one caveat to that was the players championship. He finished um, he finished 140th. He shot 74 70 um, and, and missed the cut. But, uh, you know, that actually I think he withdrew from that event, to be honest with you. I think he, he made it through the third round and withdrew. But uh, needless to say, he's been playing some good golf um, and he's a good iron player. So uh, at that price point. I thought it was pretty good, pretty good value, but um, jumping right up. You've already mentioned Keegan Bradley been playing really well. Uh, he is a good ball striker. Um, and, and with the second place finish at the Wells Fargo eighth at the Valero uh, fifth at the players 11th at the, the Arnold Palmer um, invitational. So he's played, he's, this is, he's made a little resurgence here in the last yeah. couple of years. He's playing some good golf. Um and I, really, the only thing that's really held him back um, was the change in the a change in the putting, uh, the putting uh, uh, technique, I should say. Like they got rid of the belly putter, and he had he had to to uh, come up with a new way to kind of to do what he does. But he's obviously figured it out, and uh, he's he's obviously playing some good golf. So um, at that price point, seventy five hundred, Keegan Bradley playing some good golf. Uh, jump up to. Uh, Corey Connors, uh, um, I almost picked him 8,000. 8, and, and I had a, there's a lot of guys right in that price point that I really liked. And I just kept, kept going on the, I just kept harping on the ball striking. He drives the ball so well. He, he's such a good, uh, iron player and he really is. He really has a good short game. I think, you know, again, I've talked about this in the past. I played a lot with him when we played on the Canadian tour and he, he has a weird outlook on his putting. He thinks he's not a good putter. At least he did back then. And and I was like, we sat down and had a beer after we played. And I'm like, dude, your your putting stroke is phenomenal. <laughs> it's like you you put it great. But again, to your comment earlier, McLean, when you were talking about your dad, he was hitting 16 greens around. And if if you have if if you have 30 putts. In a round when you've hit sixty, sixty-eight, sixty-eight, you're shooting a good round of golf. Like, and that's I, I, frustrating for guys who who are that good uh, or that good of ball striker. They just feel like they should make more putts, but like they get a lot of twelve to fifteen to eighteen foot putts. And if you look at the percentages, you're not going to make that many of those. And you may have a round where you don't make any of them. Um, and that's that's tough. And I think. I think he's struggled with that, you know, as it on his, uh, with his career over, um, over the last, you know, four year, five years on the PGA tour, but he, he's a great ball striker and he's, he's a good putter. Um, and he's got a good short game. It's just, you know, he's not, he doesn't putt like Tiger Woods, but yeah. he's a good putter. So at 8,000 bucks, I think he makes a bunch of birdies and, uh, we're in good shape. Yeah. Um, then I jump up to <sighs> this, <sighs> I couldn't help myself. I'm sorry. Uh, 8,200 bucks. I picked Tiger Woods. <laughs> I, I just, I, I couldn't help it. It's not a good pick. It's not a good pick. I think you might miss the cut this week. Our A trains where we got to absolutely just drip and everything that he did from 97 to 2013, 14, 15. You can't help that. 
man. It's always an yeah. attractive pick. You get I to put the best uh, player on the planet. He he doesn't he he does not he does not win. I don't think he wins. He doesn't. Um, he Great. doesn't win, but uh, I'm gonna. I'll get put it. a heavy. I'll put a heavy amount on a top twenty-five. I think. I think he makes the cut. Um, I think he misses the major. Cut. That, but that's what nah, we're looking he's for. Not You're bottom two picks, and what we're doing, you need to have guys that make the cut. That's why I picked Charles Howell the he, third. He's so not going to miss the cut. The he's going to make the cut. He's he's swinging too yeah. well. He's he's way stronger than he was. At Augusta, and this is not nearly as tough of a walk. It is a tough walk, but not nearly as tough as Augusta. It's a much, it's a much, it's not an easy walk. No, 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 it's not an easy walk, but it's an easier walk than Augusta. Yes, it's easier than Augusta. Easier than Augusta. The thing that goes against him is he doesn't have the local knowledge that he has at Augusta. And the field is way stronger and way deeper. That's what hurts him this week. But but you also, you also have more people making the cut. He's yep. also the last person to win a major championship there in 2007. So he does have quite a bit of course knowledge there. Uh, but so. it has been redesigned, so there is some changes there, Jay. But at the same time, he could play Augusta in a sleep. All I'm saying is Tiger doesn't need any more fucking confidence. When you can walk up on property and you're the last one to win a major event there, that gives you that little bit of a bag of dicks in your pocket where you just feel good about will, where you are. I will uh I will definitely say that he 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 steps up and 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 has a top 25 finish here. I think he does. I I, I um, think no, I'm not I'm not going there. I think he makes the cut. I, I definitely think he makes the cut. I think I think he's I think, I he's, think his, he's not going to be able to walk it out Saturday and Sunday eventually. We're going to see that limp grow larger and larger. It's so unfortunate, and it's fucking sad to see. If I'm being honest with you, like it, 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 I don't, I don't think so. Dude. I think everyone wants to find a way. To, everyone wants to find a way to suppress this guy, but this is the we saw it in Augusta. We have ever seen. He is the greatest, hands down, the greatest golfer. So whenever you think that you've got him figured out and you've got him pinned, then you don't. Because he is the best. He will absolutely find a way to rise above any expectation that anyone sets on him. So, anyway, I'll move on. I'll move on. I'm going to say top 25 finish for Tiger. I'm not saying win. I'm just saying top 25 finish for Tiger. So, I will move on. Here we go to to the next next one on the list. I've got Patrick Cantlay at 9,100. This was kind of a weird pick for me. There was a couple guys in, in that list that I really liked. And I, I had Xander, I had Matsuyama, and I had Cantlay, and I had Brooks Kepka, and all of those guys. I don't think Brooks is playing as well as he would like. He loves the majors, but I don't think he is. He's he at just WD too. Oh, he's already out. No, 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 no. He WD'd last week. Sorry. Oh, in oh, Byron okay. Nelson, he was in the field and WD'd. So yeah, exactly. What's going okay. on there? I, I thought he would WD'd again. I was like, what? Did I miss something? But yeah, I don't. I don't really love what, what the vibe that he's given. I will say that I, I I was torn between Matsuyama and Canley. I will say that Shafle in in maybe three years ago he was a top five machine at the at the majors. But if you go back and look at his history in the last two years, he's really he's really underperformed in the majors. And I, I'll throw the players in there. He's really had a had a poor time. But Canley uh, has played really well, other than. You know, he'd be 39th at the Masters and 96th at the Players. But before that, 
he hadn't finished outside of the top 10 for the most part. Um, and he finished second at the RBC. So I feel like he maybe is, is regaining some strength. And at that price point, I mean, he, he could be arguably one of the best players in, in the game and, and he's, his price has dropped because of those three finishes. So, you know, I, I really, I really think he's, he's going to play well. Um, and then lastly, <laughs> I'm not going to say it pains me to pick this guy. Um, but all the things that Mikey said about Jordan Spieth, I, I do agree with. He is playing. Wow. He's wow, playing really go. well. It's going to hurt to, let's go. It's going to hurt to pull for him, but he's playing well. I think his, his confidence is, a, is at an all time high and it, it, we're not in Texas, but we're really close to Texas. He's got a lot. The fan base is going to be really high and Jordan is a drama queen, as we all know, just like Tiger. I'm not I'm not picking sides here. Yeah. But he loves it. He loves the drama. And he's gonna lot he's gonna have a lot of fans here. And I'm gonna lock in a it a top five for Jordan Speed this week at the PJ Championship. I'm gonna, so I'm here's, gonna here's put a, money on it. Here's a stat. I'm gonna, real I'm gonna lock in money on Jordan Speed top five. And I'm gonna throw I'm gonna throw some units on on a, on a win, and I'll throw some units on a top twenty as well. Right. Here's a here's a stat for you for all the listeners out there. Whoever wins this, there's a good chance they're going to be leading on Thursday. So in the seven majors, the Golf Channel had this yesterday. In the seven majors, stat. what's that? I, I saw the stat. You're right. In the seven majors held at at Southern Hills, that's 28 rounds of golf. The winner has led or co-led in 26 of the 28 rounds. Wire to almost all these winners have been wire to wire in the seven majors at Southern Hills. So we need to wait after the first round and then hammer down on hammer down on the leader after Thursday. This is great E9 advice here, listeners. You're getting the inside scoop. All right, McLean, your turn. Your picks. All right. Coming in hot. I have Mr. Patrick Cantlay, 9,100, obvious reasons. Moving down, Tony Finau, 7,900. Tony Finau? Tony Finau. He's coming in hot. Yeah, he's coming out. And it's a long course. We're going to need someone that can buy it out there and go with the overall. Moving down from that, 10 of 10 for cuts this year, Mr. Billy Horschel. Yeah. Two top tens, but ten of ten for cuts. Gotta like where his his game is right now. Mr. Jason Kokrak coming in right, oh, behind, wow. right below that. Seventy three hundred. Mr. We already know the West Texas Slanger. Uh Ryan Palmer, sixty nine hundred. And then just to cap it all off at at, at the end of it, Mr. Scotty Scheffler. Oh, world number one. Wow. Eleven thousand four hundred. I got them all it in there, so I got. It wouldn't Scheffler, Finau, Horschel, Kokrak, and Palmer. I'm looking forward to collecting my check this week, boys. Enjoy your fucking time. Happy PGA Championship. All right, uh, what a what a way to cap off the show. Uh, <laughs> thanks for everyone who's listening. No idea. We gonna apologize right now for uh, McLean's audio all episode because it was fucking awful and i have 
about I'm going to start <laughs> editing now so I can make it to work on time tomorrow. Uh, Cause it's going to take me 10 hours to edit this fucking thing. Thanks to McLean's <laughs> audio. So <laughs> without further ado, you guys got anything else? No, man. Thanks boys. I'm just All excited right. to be here with you gentlemen. Enjoy the PGA. Cheers.